Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Communication Mixed Down. The show that takes a critical look at contemporary media. And explores the way we use communication to make sense of the world around us. From social media to citizen journalism. To the logo on the front of your favourite t-shirt. It's all part of the Communication Mixed Down. Each week, Thursday, 6 to 6.30. Communication Mixed Down. Cranking up. Right here on 3CR. Plastic bags, plastic straws, plastic takeaway lids, plastic permeates our lives. It's choking the marine life in our oceans. The message is loud and clear, do something differently, but are we hearing it? Hello, welcome to another edition of Communication Mixdown. I'm Bronwyn Cran. And this week our focus is on the relationship between communication and behaviour change. Kim Borg works in the Sustainable Development Institute at Monash University. She researches the impact of the media on behaviour and the human-nature relationship. And she's been investigating how to use behavioural science to reduce the use of single-use plastics, in particular through the use of humour. Thanks for your time this evening, Kim. No worries. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, look, we'll get to humour in a minute, but... Can we start talking about behaviour change campaigns? We're we're all familiar by now with ads for anti-speeding, moderate drinking campaigns. Can you tell us how do these ads work? There's more to them than just telling people they shouldn't drink and drive, isn't there? Yeah, there is. So generally we know that if you just tell someone information and you give them facts, they might increase their knowledge and they might say they understand, but it doesn't necessarily change their behaviour. So if we're trying to change people's behaviour using what's called a social marketing campaign, we'll often uh, engage in message framing where we pitch the message in a certain way. And one of the ways that these big issues are attempted to be tackled is using emotion. So in the case of something like anti-speeding or moderate drinking or anti-smoking, you'll see a lot of them engage in more of your negatively framed emotions. So they want to shock us. They want us to feel afraid. They want us to feel guilty. And hopefully, if they can make us feel these emotions when we watch these advertisements, we'll anticipate those emotions and then we'll try to avoid the emotions by avoiding the behaviour. Right. So you've written an article for the Conversation website uh, recently and in your article you say that positive emotions like humour are less common in social marketing, which which I think is odd because humour can be pretty effective. Um, and in your article, you focus on a couple of funny ads. Can you tell us about mm-hmm. Dumb Ways to Die? Oh, dumb Ways to Die. I I have a love-hate relationship with Dumb Ways to Die. <laughs> so for anyone, for anyone who's not as uh, familiar with it, it was uh, created by uh, an advertising agency on behalf of Metro in Melbourne as a um, rail safety campaign Mm. and it features I think a handful of little caricatures um, not really P 
people, but little animations who dance and sing and they have this wonderful catchy tune going on and they are illustrating, as the name of the campaign suggests, dumb ways to die. So I think there's a, someone getting inside a tumble dryer and someone poking a snake and all sorts of wonderful things. Yep. Then they link it to rail safety. So they show people who are standing too close to the to the trains and people who are basically, you know, crossing crossing over while the train's coming and these silly things. And the main uh, framing that they're trying to do in this is they're kind of doing this pairing of using humour with something that's actually quite shocking and mm. fearful. And one of the benefits of these sort of campaigns is that they can actually grab our attention. And a, a good example of how this campaign grabbed people's attention is I think there's about oh, something like 60 million hits on YouTube now for this. Oh, no, I think it's 168 million. Yeah, 168, there you go. I'm sure I had the number wrong. Yeah. But 168 million hits on YouTube. So this campaign went viral. Mm. And a lot of that has been attributed to the fact that it was fun, it was funny, it was catchy, but it was talking about something serious. And one of the reasons I have a love-hate relationship with it is that the actual effectiveness of the campaign from a behavioural perspective is still a bit murky. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) So Metro claimed that um, after the campaign was released, uh, there was a 21% decrease in in the negative behaviours that they were looking at, so in risky behaviour around trains. Now, whether that's a direct cause-effect relationship of the campaign is pretty questionable, and even Metro... Will will be the first ones to say they're not going to say it was a direct effect, but they were running a whole series of interventions. One of them included the campaign, and they did see a twenty percent decrease in the behaviours that they were targeting. So, it's it's a lovely story. It's not something that I would necessarily hang my hat on as proof of <laughs> how effective it can be, but it does show that there's definitely a role for humour in trying to encourage behaviour change. Yeah, I guess it shows that a positive appeal can certainly reach out to people and grab their attention, doesn't it? Yes, definitely. Mm. Can we talk about, um, you make the point in your article that maybe making people smile doesn't always make them change and that pairing humour with fear can backfire. And you write about a zombie apocalypse campaign in the United States. What was that about? Yes. Uh, So this is another one of my favourites. It's it's one of the great examples of um, where where we can make assumptions about where things might work and until you test it, you don't really know what the outcome is going to be. So Mm -hmm. um, the American Centers for Disease Control tried to do this, you know, good thing of pairing humour with fear um, in trying to encourage people to create a disaster preparedness plan and you know have their emergency kit um, sitting by their bed. So in case something happened like an earthquake or terrorism attack, something serious, they would be prepared for the disaster. Mm. The way they did this was by doing a zombie pandemic <laughs> preparedness mm. campaign. So they linked the, the humour of, you know, a zombie apocalypse happening with their desired behaviour of preparing you know, their, their emergency right. plan. The problem is the humour actually trivialised the issue and when they did a proper evaluation of this, it, they found that it actually reduced people's likelihood of developing an emergency plan because they didn't think a zombie pandemic was very likely. So they didn't see the necessity in developing 
their emergency plan. So right. it actually backfired and compromised the ability of the message to encourage the desired behaviour. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, though, that they did find that out, isn't it? That, um... Yes, and this is why it's, it's, a, it's a really good example of why you need to test things and why you need to evaluate them as well. Sure, sure. So on balance then, would you say that humour is a useful t- tool in changing environmental behaviours? I would definitely say it's a useful tool and it needs to be used in the right way. And it also needs to be, as we just mentioned, evaluated as well. So one of the things I'm very interested in, and I might be jumping ahead here, Mm -hmm. but the effect of um, ABC's war on waste and changing behaviour. I'm I'm fascinated in this because a lot of the behaviour change that we're trying to do, as I said before, it's usually around these kind of negative emotions. They're trying to make us feel afraid. They're trying to get us to stop doing things that are bad for us. And it's less likely that we're going to see people trying to encourage wonderful positive behaviours that are good for us and good for the environment. And War on Waste is just a great example where they they used humour, but they also paired it with information and they took it the next step as well. Mm. So they kind of went, look at this tram full of coffee cups. How horrible is this? How funny is this? But mm. Look at how bad it is. And then they went the next step of saying, look, we have to change and here's how you can And that's one of the really important pieces of any behaviour change campaign is not just explaining how bad the problem is, but really making it clear to people what they can do to impact the problem and making sure that they know it's it's easy to do. So something like, you know, the the reusable coffee Mm. and this was one that we actually saw a a behavioural impact because keep cup sales, which are the reusable cups Mm. you take in and you get them filled up. Um, sales of those increased 400% after War on Waste, which the founder of Keycup kind of expected that there would be a bit of an increase but had no idea how much to expect. That's fascinating, isn't it? So so it's had this impact of actually making people aware but also make the show, I mean, but also um, making them change their behaviour just in little ways, incrementally. Yes, mm. yeah, absolutely. And so... One of the things that I'm looking at in the future and really curious to follow is, you know, Series 2, I think, has just had the Episode 3 um, this week. Um, mm-hmm. They're tackling a lot of similar things. So they're tackling plastic, they're tackling mm. uh, food waste, but they're also looking at new things like e-waste, which mm-hmm. wasn't um, addressed last time. So I would be fascinated to see what sort of impact um, both, theory, or both yeah, series have had on people's behaviour and also just our awareness, our knowledge, our intentions and all those wonderful things that lead to behaviour eventually. That's really great, Kim, and we'll have to get you back on the show when you've, you've um, had a look at what happens uh, following, following <laughs> the War on Waste um, show on e-waste. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know when I've got some results to okay. share. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll follow. <laughs> okay, no Kim, well, that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for having me. That was Kim Borg. She's a researcher in behavioural science at Monash University, and she was talking about how positive media messages using humour might influence people to take more responsibility for their personal environmental impact. We'll be back after this break. 
In 2016, 3CR published a book to celebrate the station's 40th birthday. Years in the making, Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR, is a visually stunning account of the people and ideas that make up this dynamic station. At 300 pages, the book includes hundreds of images and over 50 features on programs, people, music and technology from across the decades. 3CR's Radical Radio book is now on sale for just $30. You can get your copy of 3CR's book at the station during business hours at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy. Or online at 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Get a piece of your own history. On sale for just $30. 3CR's Radical Radio is available now. This is Communication Mixdown, and today we're talking about how communication influences behaviour change. Our next guest is Louise Kolf. She's a lecturer in visual communication and information graphics at the University of New South Wales and at Southern Cross University. And she's written a recent article for the Conversation website on communication changing consumption and littering behaviour. Louise, welcome to Communication Mixdown. Thank you. Great. Well, fear, shock, shame, guilt. You say these emotions don't work particularly well as communication strategies. And you use the example of the Hey Tosser anti-littering campaign in New South Wales in your article. What's Hey Tosser about? Um, So Hey Tosser was a campaign that was um, run, I'm not sure, maybe a year or two ago. Um, And it was a campaign... had posters and billboards hanging up, but it also had a number of um, short video clips on YouTube and so on. Um, And it was about, um, for example, one of the video clips is someone walking along and they toss a water bottle and then someone else walks by and points a finger at them and shouts, um, hey, you know, tosser. (laughs) So basically, um, you know, and there's another one, there's a lady sitting on a bench, um, eating some takeaway and she sort of looks around and then leaves her rubbish on the bench and walks away and then an old lady comes walking along and points at her and, you know, screams tosser at her. (laughs) So that was the campaign, basically. Um, Yeah, so um, behaviour science just tells us that that even though that kind of um, campaign might get our attention, it's not particularly good in actually changing behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um, the people who see it might identify as the person who is shouting. But, oh, right. You know, rarely will someone identify themselves at, as that person who is the tosser. Ah, right. So, so it's got the, the opposite effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Because generally, um, like, for example, there was a study done on um, littering in Australia and um, the outcome was that Generally, even though they observed someone littering, um, if they were to later on query that person, they themselves didn't think that they were a litterer. So people don't generally identify themselves in that way. Ah, that's interesting. So yeah. so in your article, so, so HOSA seems to work at the level of people being excluded. So mm-hmm. are you saying that people need to feel included rather than excluded to change their behaviour? Exactly, that's exactly um, what 
behaviour science is saying generally. Um, there's a really good book by Liz Robinson, who's a change behaviour expert. Um, it's called Changeology. And um, basically the whole book, he just talks about what are effective strategies to actually getting people to change their behaviour and reality. Um, and, yeah, some of the things he points out is particularly um, people need to feel part of a sort of social change movement um, in their community, in their peer groups. Um, at the same time, they need to be supported to make it mm. easy for them to change their behaviour. Mm. Um, so all that kind of stuff is much more effective than mm. um, singling someone out and um, kind of blaming them or shaming them. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, interestingly, for example, um, someone responding to, uh, commenting to the article said that she felt shamed in the supermarket for, um, for example, for buying a plastic bag. She said she felt like the person at the counter and the person behind her were kind of looking at her and sort of shaming her by their looks. Oh, right. That kind of thing can then get people to react negatively and, you know, sort of go out of there and think that the whole idea is a bad idea. Ah, that's very interesting. So... If we talk about this plastic bag issue, that sort of raises the plastic bag issue. And if we shift focus from that New South Wales campaign to Western Australia, um, mm-hmm. the Western Australian government's taken a particular approach to uh, communicating behaviour change around plastic bags, hasn't it? Yes, that's right. There was a campaign uh, recently that's called What's Your Bag Plan? And um, it just sort of had little clips, um, kind of like, light-hearted, funny clips showing people walking out of a bag. You know, it has one person that says, what are you? Are you a bagger? Or are you a boxer? Or are you a juggler? And it's sort of funny because, you know, the juggler is like the person trying to carry all their groceries out in their arms. Um, right. So in, in that way, people can identify themselves, you know, in, in whatever method they're using to not have... Um, Right, so they're so they're being included in a kind of positive positive way. Yeah. Mm. So, look, yeah. On that theme of positive messaging, um, the Environment Organisation Greenpeace held a recent Plastic Day of Action, which you mentioned in your article, with a pretty nifty guerrilla messaging tactic in supermarkets. How did that work? Yeah. So. Um and I think, yeah, they particularly did it on that day, which was like a plastic-free day. Um, but I think it's sort of a general campaign that's running, I don't know if it's only in Australia or in other countries as well, but where they've got stickers um, and uh, they went into supermarkets and put, um, placed these stickers on them because their campaign is that, yeah, it's fine to ban or it's great to ban single-use plastic bags, but also we have to look at all of the packaging that's in the supermarkets themselves. So they wanted the sure. to take it further. Um, so they went into these uh, supermarkets and put stickers, like, for example, that says, I'd like this product to be plastic bag-free. They'd stick that on you know, some apples that are wrapped excessively in plastic or mm. um, I love plastic-free or something like that. Mm. Put that all over um, the produce, and then hopefully people coming along will will see that and maybe choose you know the apples that aren't wrapped in plastic. Or, um, but I think also generally they are trying to engage people 
themselves to, um, I don't know, maybe they have their stickers for gifts put on as well, but they also have, you know, um, online media campaigns where, or social does, media campaigns. How do they work? Can, yeah, so, um, for example, they have a hashtag called Ridiculous Packaging on Instagram and Twitter and people are encouraged in the supermarket to take pictures where they see excessive packaging and then post that mm. on those platforms. So it's just another way of engaging people to feel like that, you know, um, they can take action in a really easy way and they're sort of part of the movement to, to change without having to do, you know, a lot, mm. but still kind of um, participating. Mm. So we were talking with um, our previous guest, Kim Borg, uh, mentioned the war on waste, and you mention it too in your article. Um, and you say that it's been a particularly powerful and successful campaign. So what do you think are the ingredients of its success? Well, I think um, they've taken different elements, you know, the informative. There was lots of information, um, even someone like me who... You know, see myself see myself as someone who's environmentally conscious. I mm. felt like I learned a lot that I didn't know before from the um, mm. from the series. So it was entertaining, it was informative, but at the same time, it didn't have that shaming of the public. I mean, there was some shaming maybe of politicians and and so on, but not <laughs> of the public themselves. For example, that street um, where they would you know, for I can't remember how many weeks, but they would look at people's bins and what yep. they had in the bins. Um, but rather than being sort of a shaming thing that, look how full your bin is, it was kind of still humorous and sort of lighthearted. Um, and and they were part of a community, you know, the whole street were kind of in it together. Um, and I think mm. that's the kind of powerful thing that, um, yeah, when, it, for example, the street bands together, it's sort of a inclusive mm. Inclusive thing, rather than singling someone out. Mm. Yeah. Sure. So it's about inclusion again, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so to wrap things up, what what advice? You're an information communication specialist. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to communication strategists out there in PR and advertising land who are designing campaigns on plastic waste? Mm. Well, so yeah. Like I, we were talking about, keeping it inclusive, um, making people feel like they can take action. So that's the thing, both with humour, um, ads like your previous speaker probably spoke about, both with humour or whether it be something more uncomfortable like shaving or blaming. The key ingredient is that they, people need to feel efficacy, so it means that they need to feel that they can easily take action. Mm. So even if you're using humour, um, at the end, there needs to be a clear and easy message about what you can do to change. Um, and similarly with plastic, like for example, um, there was one campaign in my article, of, you know, where they're showing a plastic straw up a child's nose. Ah, yes, I, I, I haven't mentioned that yeah, yet. Yeah, can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, um, that was from the UK, but um, yeah, there's this YouTube video of a turtle with a plastic straw being removed mm. from it nose which had you know hundreds of thousands or I can't remember how many but lots and lots of views um, and I guess that campaign's kind of tagging on to that so it had a child with a straw up its nose and it says would you care more if it was you yeah very disturbing yeah. image that one so it's very disturbing but that's all you know it gets your attention but that's 
as far as it goes. So you would be more effective, for example, if you wanted to really get people involved, you would need to show, for example, um, how that connects to you as a person. So you might you, know, you might show a birthday party and straw gets blown off the table, ends up in the gutter and gets swept out to sea, um, somehow ends up in the turtle's nose. Um, you know, so you show how it actually connects to that person themselves. And then you would need a really strong message at the end that would be easy for people to follow and say, you know, for example, be a, a trendsetter, um, consider using paper strips mm. for the next party or something like that where people can see a really clear connection to their actions and then an easy way that they can make a change in their own lives. Oh, that's that's great advice, um, Louise. Very, very useful for our, our, our strategists out there. So, look, I'm sorry, but we've run out of time today. So um, that was really interesting. And thank you so much for being on Communication Mixdown. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. That was Louise Kolf. She's a lecturer in visual communication and information graphics. And she's been talking about how positive communication strategies in environmental campaigns can encourage consumers and businesses, large and small, to make changes in their behaviour. We'll put all the links as well as the podcast of this show on the 3CR Communication Mixdown site.